How many find patience to come naturally for you? (laughs) Not so much, right? Waiting, like Tom Petty said, waiting is the hardest part, and it really is. And I I put a question out on our Novation uh, Connections Facebook page. If you have a Facebook page, we have a connection page where people, it's it's more fellowship and that kind of stuff. And I just put the question, What's, what do you find it hard to, to wait for when you desire something? When do you find it hard to, to wait for the Lord? And then what did you, what, how would your kids respond to, to waiting? How, how well do they do? And some of the responses were um, knowing if it's actually God's will for me to do something or not, waiting on an answer for that. I can relate to that. Somebody else said that they were a planner. Waiting on God means giving up control, my plans, my timing. And the hardest thing for their kid was to wait for food. Go figure on that one, right? That's most adults, too. Um, Somebody else said, I think I struggle the most when I feel like the Lord has given me a vision, a direction, a passion, or a plan, and I pursue it, but I don't see things coming to fruition the way I'd hoped for. And I'm a results-orientated person as well. And You're you're waiting, you're waiting. And then... um, Somebody else said, I'm a very realistic person. Letting go and letting God is the hardest thing to comprehend and follow. Very true. So what we're talking about today, we're we're continuing in this series that we started last week in the book of Acts. So if you're not familiar with the Bible, the book of Acts just follows the four Gospels, and it's the history of the early church. What happened after Jesus rose and ascended back to the Father, and it's how the gospel blew up the world and spread. And we see this waiting happening, though. There was a waiting in the Old Testament. There was a waiting for the coming of the Messiah. You know, we're talking thousands of years that they waited for Jesus to come. And in the fullness of time, he came right on time. And he lived among us. He he became one of us, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose from the dead. And 40 days after he uh, rose from the grave, he walked walked around and showed himself to people. There's over 500 people that saw the risen Jesus. That's a lot of eyewitness accounts of seeing him. And Jesus at 40 days is is, is significant because 40 in the Bible is the number of deliverance see that over and over. It's the day of deliverance. And so Jesus stayed 40 days to say, hey, we've been delivered. Jesus delivered us from death to life and gave us real hope for us. And so he told his disciples, he said, go wait for the promise that I told you about, the promised Holy Spirit. So they waited 10 more days. So a total of 50 days from the day Jesus was crucified to what we're going to talk about today. And you'll see why that's, that's interesting. But I, to make this practical, maybe what are, what are you waiting for today? What prayer are you waiting to be answered? I know the fruit of this baptism that we're going to do today is, is the fruit of prayer and waiting. And maybe you're waiting on the Lord to answer prayer or waiting for a calling or waiting for him to unfold something for you. Think about that as we talk through this this morning. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2. And those of you that are used to my teaching, this is totally backwards today. I felt led to just 
not have a bunch of sub points and all of that. So I'm just going to, I'm going for it in a different way. If you're a guest with us, I don't normally teach just like this, but um, I felt like there was no, no way around Acts chapter 2, the importance of this chapter. It's so important to me that you have an understanding of this chapter. That's why I'm going to go through the whole thing in the next 25 minutes. It's a pivotal turn in Scripture. In, uh, it's the birthday of the church. I noticed we had some cupcakes out there, and today is the birthday of the church, so let's celebrate. It's the day of Pentecost is when the church first really started. Jesus fulfilled the old covenant on the cross. He fulfilled it when he said, it is finished, and he inaugurated the new covenant. The day of Pentecost is now the experience of the new covenant, living life in the spirit and understanding that it's not about the law anymore, but it's now about the person and work of the Holy Spirit within us. So I have four simple headings that I'm going to give you this morning if, you, if you're a note taker on the app. And the first one is the word Pentecost, the word Pentecost. The word Pentecost comes from the Greek word penti is 50, so that's important. And the, the Pentecost is a Jewish uh, festival, a Jewish celebration that they were told to do in Exodus and Leviticus. It's the celebration of the harvest. And you, the people brought their first fruits of this, the harvest of wheat. And they were told to come and give thank, thank offerings through their, their first fruits. And so Jesus was crucified on Passover. All right. In the book of Leviticus, the, the Jewish people were told to wait 50 days after Passover to celebrate Pentecost. You see that? God is fulfilling everything that we see in the Old Testament in the person of Jesus. So 50 days after Jesus was crucified and the Jews had been celebrating Passover, Jesus being the true Passover lamb, 50 days later, they're celebrating Pentecost. That's not, that's not ironic. That is in the plan of God for us to understand how inspired the Word of God really is. So I'm going to read to you. And keep in mind this whole first fruits idea. It says, when they, the day of Pentecost had come, they were all to, together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, dis distributing themselves, and they rest, rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each, we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues 
speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they're full of sweet wine. They thought they were hammered (laughs) out of their mind. (laughs) What was going on there? Well, filled with the Spirit. I told you last week, you're going to see that phrase, filled with the Spirit, and then something amazing happens through God working in somebody's life. And they were speaking in other tongues. They were speaking in languages they did not know. And these people who had gathered in Pentecost heard them speak about the glory of God in their native tongue. That's what the Spirit empowered them to do. Now, on the day of Pentecost, what you got to know a little bit of the history is the Jewish people had been dispersed throughout the known world. So they were in all of these countries, that nations that we were talking about, everywhere. And they had, most of them stayed. Some came back after the dispersion and came back to Israel, but most stayed and just kept their Jewish culture and practiced Judaism. But they would make a pilgrimage every year on the day of Pentecost and come back to Jerusalem and bring their first fruits as an offering to the celebration of the harvest. So if you, you got to go back to Genesis chapter 11, if you remember the Tower of Babel. If, if you're unfamiliar with Scripture, the Tower of Babel is where after the flood and Noah and, and the nations went crazy again, and there was so much evil in the world that and they, God came down and confused their language and gave all of those different languages. Everybody spoke one language, Scripture says, in, uh, until that point in time. So what's amazing about the day of Pentecost is people are hearing the glory of God in their native tongue. In a sense, God was undoing what happened at the Tower of Babel. It's kind of fascinating to think about. When I first was a, was a follower of Jesus, I went to jail ministry. And we would go and have like a church service for people that were, were in, in jail, and we'd go to different you know, cell blocks. And I was with this older guy named Chuck, and I shared a little bit, and then he, he wanted to pray over people. And there were two people in that particular jail cell that day that did not speak English. That Spanish was the only language that they understood. Chuck did not know Spanish. Chuck began speaking in, in, this, in tongues, and they started weeping like little babies because they heard in, in their own language what God did for them. I was floored. You talk about a faith builder. I mean, I, I, he didn't know Spanish. They didn't know English, yet the message got communicated. Like, it's, I know that could sound a little weird, and it was a little weird, but it was pretty darn awesome as well, you know, just to realize, wow, God is, is, is greater than we ever think. So the next heading that I want to give you is Peter. And all of these are going to start with P because that's what we preachers do. We have to have alliteration, super important. It's more for us than you. Um, but here's Peter. Pete, think, I love Peter. Peter who walked with Jesus for three years. He was called as a fisherman and says, come, follow me, I'll make you fisher, fishers of men. And Peter watched Jesus do miracles and got really close to him. Peter, Peter was part of Jesus' core group. There was the 12, but then there were Peter, James, and John were his real core guys. 
And he saw all of this. And yet, and he would make boastful statements. Jesus, if all forsake you, I never will. But you know the story. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he denied that he even knew Jesus three times. He, he, he cowardly fell to a little girl who said, aren't you with Jesus of, of Nazareth? And he said, no, I don't even know him. And then he saw Jesus and he wept bitterly as they took, took him away when they arrested him. Well, Peter also on the other side of the resurrection, saw the resurrected Jesus, and he was restored by Jesus on on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus said, hey, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. He commissioned him to go take the gospel and teach people exactly what we're doing today. So Peter went from this cowardly denier of knowing Jesus to this boldness and authority. Now, this passage Part of the passage takes a little bit to read. Bear with me, but it's important that you get all the context because, again, if you understand Acts chapter 2, you're going to understand a lot more about the New Testament. So it says, but Peter, after they mocked him and thought that they were drunk, but Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and he declared to them, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words, for these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day, or 9 a.m. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. Joel was a prophet in the Old Testament. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it will be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it is impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says in the Psalms, I saw the the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope because you will not abandon my soul to Hades nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the way of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. He's saying when David wrote these psalms, Jesus was the one that was inspiring him. He was speaking of himself. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried in his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne. 
He looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer. This Jesus God raised up again to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Boldness and authority because of the resurrection and Pentecost. Did you catch that though? You nailed him to the cross. If I'm there, I'm thinking, what? I just a pilgrim here coming to celebrate the harvest. What do you mean I nailed him to a cross? You, he told these, wouldn't that be a little perplexing? You nailed him to a cross. Here's the truth we all have to understand. I nailed Jesus to the cross. My, my sinfulness, my selfishness, all of us, all of humanity, we, we've all fallen short in that Jesus came to undo the mess in his submission to death. His submission at the hands of sinful men was the predetermined plan of God to save us, to undo what, what, what had happened in, in Adam and in the fall so that we could have new life. Because the key is, he says, you nailed him to a cross, but God raised him up. God raised him and put an end to death. That's the good news. By his death on the cross, he defeated our enemies of, of death, sin, and the evil one. He undid all of that. That's the celebration. That's why the good news is such good news. <laughs> it, it is the greatest news ever that we don't have to fear death, that we don't have to fear the devil, and that we can actually know that our guilt and shame Jesus took to the cross. Thirdly, the third heading is the word promise. The word promise. Let me see if I can get through this. So, um, last week, if you were watching online or if you were here, I shared about my friend, my friend Mike, who's here today. He's going to get baptized here in a little bit. I've got a lot of family and friends here. Um, I shared about what was going on in his life and how in 2019 he had got a, some cancer stuff and called me and I, I told him about Jesus and other people had been telling him about Jesus and we prayed and some of you have been praying and still pray for him every day. And um, he f started growing through all the COVID stuff when we were shut down and still watching and growing. And he called me a couple weeks ago and said that his dad had cancer and uh, his dad was worried about dying. And Mike just told me, he said, dad, you need Jesus. He's the one that gives eternal life. It's a fact. This is Mike. I'm quoting you verbatim. It's a fact that Jesus lived. It's a fact that he was crucified. And it's a fact that he rose again. And uh, I told Mike that day, I was on a walk. I started bawling. Like, that was so good to hear. And I, I shared that story last Sunday in this whole understanding of being ready that we don't have to fear death. 
that understanding Jesus and the gospel doesn't mean it doesn't hurt when somebody passes away. Of course it does. But we can know that we will be reunited. We can know where somebody is with Jesus. And uh, so Mike called me this past Tuesday. He called me in the morning and he said, uh, asked if I'd come see his dad this week. And I said, sure. I said, I'll come Friday. And I said, Mike, but I don't have anything that you don't have to give your dad. You have Jesus. You have the gospel. And uh, so we hung up and he called me in the afternoon and he said, uh, that him and Darla were with his dad, and she had just prayed over him. And then I had talked to Mike that day about Jesus and the thief on the cross, and Jesus said, hey, the thief said, hey, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus said, assuredly, you'll be with me in paradise. And uh, Mike leaned over to his dad, and he said, hey, dad, why don't you go fishing and be with Jesus in paradise? And in that moment, he passed away. And Jesus took away the sting of death by his death. It doesn't have power anymore. And to know that Jack is with Jesus in paradise is the greatest news that we all can hold on to. I say that story because I mean, obviously it's fresh, but it goes right along with what we're reading here in the book of Acts this morning. They said, what should we do? Jack was saying, what should we do? Mike asked me, what should we do? I said one day, what should I do? I'm cut to the heart. What should I do? What should we do? Peter said, repent. And repentance is a great word. Repentance means to change your mind and change your direction. You change your mind about who God is. We have this picture that we've been taught that God is this distant deity who's out there and just mad at everybody and disinterested in us. When Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So any concept that we have about God, if it doesn't look like Jesus, it's off. Because when you've seen Jesus, you've seen what, what God is like. That's what the Father is like. He and the Father are one. So you look at the life of Jesus and you'll see how good God is, how good the Father is, how much he loves his creation, how much he loves each one of us intimately and deeply. He knows every hair on your head. He knows everything about you. He loves you. He loves us intimately. And we change our, our, our direction and we, don't, we stop living for ourselves and we live for him and let him live through us we began to become loving people, people who care more about others than we care about ourselves because that's what Jesus modeled for all of us. He, we change our mind about how, how we see ourselves. We're loved. We change our mind about how we see people. That's repentance at its finest. Then he says, be baptized. Well, we're going to do that here in just a second. Why, why get baptized? Well, first of all, Jesus modeled baptism for us when he got baptized. He went to John the Baptist. It was a baptism of repentance that was setting the stage for Jesus' ministry. And in that, Jesus comes and gets in line with us, right? 
fallen humanity, he gets in line with us. And he gets baptized because he's identifying with us to the very core of who we are. That's how much Jesus loves us and says, I'm identifying with you. Well, water baptism is our identification with Jesus. It's where symbolically we realize that, that when you're in the, in the tank, it's the dry is the old you, de- died with Christ, buried under water, and you come up raised to new life, just like Jesus. So it's an identification with Jesus and what he's done. It's also an identification with his body. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm with, I'm with you. And it's, it's sacred in that it's obedience. Jesus said to the disciples, go into all the nations, uh, baptizing and teaching, make disciples of mine. That's what we're just following here. That's what our church is all about, is making disciples of Jesus and follow him and live in community together. But, and it's important that you remember baptism is a singular experience. We're all going to fail. Those who get baptized today, you're still imperfect. There's nothing magical about that water. It's water. It's symbolic, but it's, it's, and it's singular. You don't have to keep getting baptized every time you fail, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it, it's a marriage vow. It's like when you go to, we'd be getting in a lot of baptisms, right? <laughs> Just have one jump in the pool and get out every day. But um, it's important that we remember that. It's like those that are married, you, you made a vow. You didn't have to have witnesses, but you did. You before God and witnesses. And that's what baptism is publicly declaring. Hey, I'm with Jesus. I'm following him. And it's also declaring to the spiritual world, this unseen world, hey, I'm with Jesus. I'm covered in who he is. And if you're going to pick on me, you got to go through Jesus. And that, that's a reminder that we all need to always have. And then he says, for the forgiveness of sins. That means we get to give all this guilt and stupid stuff I've done and said in my life. I give it over to Jesus. And he forgives and cleanses from the shame and the guilt. Then he says, the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember that first fruit celebration in Pentecost, because you're about to see, you know, what has happened here in this, in this promise that he says, he continues and says um, that there were 3,000 souls added to the church that day. That's a lot of baptism. We'd be tired of the baptizing 3,000 people. 3,000 people came. That's that first fruits. They were celebrating the, the harvest. This was the harvest of souls, so to speak, that we get to read about and, and understand. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord himself will call. And then lastly, we see power. The last heading is the word power. says after this baptism happened after peter preached and all these people came to to know jesus and began following him says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. 
And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together and with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Think about they'd gathered from all over the world, every nation under the, uh, the known world, and they got baptized and they took this good news. That's how the gospel began to spread. They took this good news back to each one of those places and shared what had happened. And then as we're going to see throughout the book of Acts, the missionary journeys of Paul going from nation to nation, place to place, to see the known world at the time explode with the gospels. And we're, we're the benefactors of that. We, we, their preaching has just continued to go and go to, for us to continue it. That mantle's been, been passed to us. So I wrote the word power there because there's power in what they devoted themselves to. This passage of scripture at Novation is our, that's our vision. We want to be a modern expression of what happened in the early church. It's not going to be exactly like it. We're not going to live in communal living or something like that. But we are going to fellowship outside of just Sunday. We have home groups. We have core groups, um, etc. We devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. If you look at our, our doctrine statement or our statement of faith, it's simply the apostles' creed. It's what they taught. And that's what, what unites all believers, past, present, and future. They devoted themselves to fellowship. I think we're pretty good at that. We're pretty good at community. I've learned that through COVID and post-COVID, and, and, and that community is, is real here. And, and it's not just something we're, we're talking about. It's something that we're actually pursuing. Said so they, they, they broke bread together. How many know we're pretty good at breaking bread at Novation? Like chili cook-offs and all kinds of fun stuff. They devoted themselves to prayer can't talk about that enough, right? They devoted themselves to prayer. They had common unity. They had a consistency together. And they, they had growth. God wants to keep growing. People matter to God. You matter to God. You matter to us as a, as a church. You matter to us. That's why we exist. So I think... A, a, a question to, to answer is, and it's twofold, what are we waiting for? The disciples were waiting for the Holy Spirit. We don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit. But we do have to acknowledge, and we do have to acknowledge and, and agree with Jesus that he is who he says he is, and that we are who he says we are. And when we understand that, that's faith. Faith is just agreeing with Jesus. Faith is not having it all figured out. I know I don't have it all figured out, and we're consistently growing in that. But have you come into an agreement with Jesus and said, Jesus, I don't get it all, but I know that I believe you love me, that you died for me, and that you rose again. And I, I, I'm trusting you as Lord and Savior. Because we don't make him Lord, he's already that. We don't make him Savior, he's already that. We agree with him. That that's who he is. And that's what faith is. Don't wait to say, well, I'll, I'll do that in the future sometime. Right now, today is the day 
to say, I agree. And you do that in, in your heart. You, 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 be, you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We just read that. And maybe on a practical sense, what are you waiting for God to do in your life? Maybe there's a waiting that just hasn't, something hasn't broke through for you. Listen, he's always on time. He will be on time for everything that you need. Those that are uh, getting baptized, if you want to go and change, and we're going to go back into a song, and if you want to stand with me. never done baptism at the end so if this feels awkward it is because we, we're, we're used to doing it up front and and all that so but i felt with this the, the this chapter that we were reading that baptism after the message was very uh, would be very appropriate so amen yeah let's stand together and worship um my son's birthday was yesterday i asked him what do you want for your birthday thinking he was going to say a toy or something and he said mommy can you sing my song can you sing holy, 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 which is what he calls Revelation song? And I said, oh, buddy, we can definitely worship Jesus and sing that song. <laughs> so this was his birthday request, and let's just worship God.
Happy birthday, Xander. Hope you enjoyed that. So we're going to move into baptism. Um, this is Joel Dennis and his daughter, Rebecca. He's going to have the privilege of baptizing her. Good morning, everybody. Rebecca 
And in the dentist house, we wait a little bit. Some people, and there's no judgment, it's just what we feel called to do, but we wait until our kids are 13, and then we give them the choice to whether they want to be baptized. Um, so we have a big special celebration for their 13th birthday, and part of that is then they have the opportunity to choose if they want to be baptized. Um, so we asked Becca recently if she would like to, and she did. So it's a special day for us. So Becca, do you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? And do you want to follow him all the days of your life? So with this, with this confession of faith and this act that you have, I baptize you in the name of Jesus. In the name of God, the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, thank you for Rebecca. Thank you for her choice to walk with you, to be with you. I pray that the light that you put inside of her will go into all of her world, that she will be a light to her friends at school, to the people that she meets years from now, that she'll be able to look back on this day as a day where she gets to celebrate that she's with you and that you will protect her all the days of her life, that you'll walk with her. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Michael, so this is extra special for me. I've known this guy since high school. We played baseball together. We were college roommates. We walked through a lot together, and you've walked through a lot this last year, a lot of burdens, but it's so good to see your family, the support, the love that you have, and your decision to follow Jesus, and I'm uh, so proud of you. We're going to trust God for healing in every way, continue to lift you up. Mike, um, do you believe in your heart and do you confess with your mouth today that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Yes. You want to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. All right. Go ahead. Mike, because of the confession of your faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for Mike. Thank you for revealing Christ in him. Thank you for the Holy Spirit working in his life and drawing him to know you. And that God, no matter what happens in life, he has peace, he has joy. And uh, God, I pray right now in Jesus' name for complete healing over his body. In Jesus' name, Lord. I pray uh, just death to the cancer and life to his cells and to his body. Father, that you have raised him up spiritually and that he has come to grips with um, his own mortality in this. It doesn't mean, Lord, that we don't pray that we have Mike for many, 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 many more years. So thank you for total healing, Lord. Thank you for releasing that into his body. 
Lord, I thank you for this wonderful day. Bless him and keep him. Lord, help him to keep his eyes on you, Lord Jesus. And Holy Spirit, just guide and direct his thoughts, his mind. Build his faith continually in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll slip. to celebrate now. We are so excited that we had these two baptisms today. If you saw this and maybe you didn't get baptized today, but you thought, wow, you know, I've given my heart to God and I want to get baptized also. Make sure that you let Scott know at any point because we can always pull this thing out again for more baptisms. (laughs) But today we're going to celebrate these baptisms. We're going to celebrate Jesus and the birthday of the church also. So it's like huge celebration today. So we're going to end on a little bit of a fast note today. Let's just worship Jesus together.
little brave heart going there. <laughs> Father, thank you for your blessing. May you bless and keep everyone watching, everyone in this room. Make your face to shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Give them your everlasting peace that's found only in your Son. In Jesus' name, amen.